0: I have flown, I have sailed, I have moved about this world of ours, and ever in search of the finest of its kind, we bring you the tops in audio drama networks. This is Mutual. The following audio drama is rated PG-13, suggesting that children under the age of 13 should listen accompanied with an adult. Hello, strange world. Welcome to the Aldergate Papers. My name is Adrian Ward, and these singed and crumpled pages are my diary, a record of the final days of my former life. I remember almost nothing of the story they contain, and the more I read, the less I wish to know. There is a shadow over Altergate University. A shadow from which I barely escaped with my life. A shadow into which I must now step once more. And you're coming with me. Before we return to the action, however, I've a favor to ask. I wish to make the Altergate Papers as enjoyable for you as it is frightening and painful for me. I want your input, your feedback, your thoughts and feelings, your questions and opinions, and, for that matter, your money. So, please get stuck into the links in the show notes. Drag me on Twitter, cyberbully me on Facebook, patronize me on Patreon, and visit the AlterGate wiki to figure out what the twist's going on around here anyhow. Now then, where were we? We left our hero on the doorstep of Revelation. Having been introduced to the invitorium, he is now headed for the archive of the Office of Invitation. There he hopes to learn more about two persons of interest whose names have turned up in the course of his murder investigation and in mysterious letters from unknown intruders in his new home. This is Day 9, Part 7. The Archives. It is the ninth day of the return to Watergate. The time and place of writing is pushing on for mid-afternoon, In the back room of the Colonial Independent Mercantile and Tea Room, we begin. It really is no good knowing things, is it? Oh, to know everything would be lovely. That's the end and aim, after all. Just knowing bits and pieces is frightfully messy and dangerous and uncomfortable. And it's particularly bad when it comes to people. Take Sketchpad over there, at the table across the way. You know that they're working in pencil because you can hear the screeching, but you can hardly see them at all. Just the little bits that show where the slit openings in the curtains of their tent and yours align. Right now you've only got a slice of orange sleeve and a bit of knee in blue jeans. They could be eighteen or eighty, Swedish or Somali. They could be drawing a bad self-portrait or a brilliant circuit design. You don't know. And as a result, You don't care. But if you did, you would. Because there is something there worth caring about. A treasure house of immense importance, tapped and untapped. Deep below the central administration building, carefully archived by an old man in a grey velour tracksuit, is a portrait of a life. Whoever sketchpad is, somebody saw in them a spark that could set the world alight, and one of only thirty colleges, with only thirty picks to make from everyone alive, asked them to leave their lives and come to Altergate. You know nothing about them at all, except that there's a tremendous amount to know, and to care about. And the same is presumably true of whoever it is at the next table to your right who keeps snoring. And the same is true of G. Keller and S.U., your mysterious persons of interest. Now less mysterious, and far, far more interesting. So much so that you can't help wondering if you ought not to simply let them be. Let them get on with their own quietly incredible lives, without drawing them into the glorious disaster that is your own. Get them involved, and you're painting a target on their backs. You'll draw to them the attention of forces they cannot comprehend, and vice versa. You can't help thinking that perhaps you ought to forget what you've gone to so much trouble to learn. Just let them go. Ah, well. Knowing that perhaps you oughtn't to do a thing has never dissuaded you before, but it won't now. So, carry on. Diary-ho, down you go once more down to the sacred cavern where history is written, and the depths below where it is preserved, to the Invitorium and beyond. You hoiked yourself up onto the stone table, did a little spin maneuver, and lowered yourself down into the pit, without any assistance from Deddy's helping hand thanks so much. It did take you a moment, however. With your left hand out of action, you'd got to do a tricky sort of dance of the elbows It required all your concentration. No sense rushing these things. Better safe than sorry. Anyhow, by the time you'd got your feet on the ground, Deddy had retreated to the middle of the circle. Over here, if you please, Mr. Ward. Unless, perhaps, "'But, no, it is quite difficult. "'I do not suppose you would prefer to walk?' "'You had no idea what he was talking about, of course. "'However, your pride, such as it is, "'was still smarting a bit from the implication "'that you might not be equal to your venerable scholar's feats of geriatric parkour. "'So you said, of course, you'd be happy to walk, more than happy.' "'Lead on, O Kinky Turtle!' "'Very well. "'And, yes, it is most suitable, I think.' He chuckled. That chuckle of his was starting to wear on you by this time, and nodded his turkey-vulture head. "'Forgive my historical sentimentality. "'I fear it is an unavoidable side-effect of my position.' But it shall please me to see Aldergate's new vice-chancellor walk the old stairs like those of ages past. Still no idea what he was on about, but no matter. You hunched your shoulders to signify that you were humbly prepared to follow in the footsteps of your forebears. Excellent. Ah, do please stand close to the wall now mr ward really there is no danger if proper caution is observed but do please mind your footing it may amuse you to know daddy chuckled once more as he prodded at the tablet The old stairs were, I suspect, the deciding factor that convinced your predecessor to support my petition for funds to renovate the Inventorium. I invited Mr. Cardew to walk them with me, and he resolutely declined. Oh, but Vice-Chancellor Ward is made of sterner stuff. Profundior. Well... That crack about you being made of sterner stuff than Sir Reggie is one of those knee-slapping crowd-pleasers that would, under other circumstances, have had you rolling in the aisles. In the present instance, however, it filled you with bemusement and foreboding. You can't imagine Sir Reggie resolutely declining anything, except criminal rendition and possibly cauliflower. And if the prospect of what you just agreed to was worrying, that was nothing to the reality. Deddy beamed and turned his back on you, and the rest of the world turned with him. The floor in the center of the invitorium's great circular table was sinking, taking him with it and leaving you behind.' It was at this moment that you realized you weren't standing on the non-slip modern cresty bit, but on some sort of stone lip, hewn from the same dark porcelain stuff as the table itself. As the floor dropped slowly away from you, it revealed a flight of stone stairs, spiraling down and down. Hmm. Well... The stuff whereof V.C. Ward is made, though no sterner than Sir Reggie's, is infinitely more vulnerable to embarrassment. And, anyhow, stairs, when one gets right down to it, are only stairs. Granted, the old stairs boast about a twelve-inch rise, much higher than the contemporary standard, and they're only about as deep as they are high. "'This made for an awkward, herky-jerk descent. "'An awkwardness compounded by the fact "'that the lip from which they are hewn "'is only a bit wider than you are. "'Now you can see why Sir Reggie might have thought twice. "'If Daddy had described the old boy as being of stouter stuff, "'you'd have been forced to agree. "'Then, of course, there was your real advantage.' By hurrying on down, you were able to quickly catch up with the corkscrew pop-lift, upon which Deddy was making his own serene descent. Thus, what would for Sir Reggie have been a sheer drop on that side was for you a mere nothing. Do be careful, Mr. Ward. Deddy was marching in place so as to keep a continuous eye on you from the center of the turning floor. I have found the old stairs to be slippery when wet. You know, for all his virtues, Aldergate University's Scholar of the Law is not what you might call one of the great communicators. When one is handing out information, it is essential to provide the proper context. If you tell your audience the what... But neglect the why and the how. That audience cannot hope to use the information properly, and may end up no better off than if you'd never opened your silly trap at all. Stairs slippery when wet. So said Deddy. What he failed to mention was, stairs wet when the nice solid wall on t'other side of you disappears, and leaves you teetering on the edge of a lightless abyss, through which the little stream you saw on the invitorium plummets ceaselessly, plashing your face with chilly spray, and turning the floor beneath you into so much banana peel. You did not die, but it was an option. You even managed to remain on your feet, but for the next and most exciting leg of your downward journey, you'd no more than a general idea of where those feet were going. All that saved you from careening out into the void was the worn-downedness of the stairs themselves. Centuries of footsteps had sanded away the middles to create a gentle scoop-shape, and more or less funneled you away from disaster." You rapidly overtook Deddy's descending floor and grabbed on for dear life. Thus, in safety, if not in comfort, you rode down the next few steps on the seat of your long-suffering trousers, while the trapped thing awoke noisily in the echoing darkness. At last you got past the broken bit of wall, and the ground beneath you regained traction. Your stroll down the old stairs had lost all of its ancestral charm, however. You threw in the towel and pulled yourself aboard the lift. A quick glance revealed that Deddy had nearly closed the gap between you, but that he was now thoroughly engrossed in that tablet of his and oblivious to the world. (laughs) Can't fault him on his diplomacy, at least. You picked yourself up, brushed off your indignity, and rode the rest of the way down, and down, all the way to the bottom. (laughs) Aldergate University is truly a time machine, but there's something wonky with the transmission. Since entering the Central Administration Building, your journey had been a smooth one, from present day through Bas's mid-century modern, and on down through the ages, leaving the Saxon or pre-Saxon shell of the Office of Invitation for the pre-Anthropocene grandeur of the invitorium. Before the current could bear you back any further into the past, however, the old flux capacitor blew a fuse and catapulted you into some sort of Star Trek. Around and above you, the dark and dusty sheen of the old stair and the natural stone chimney down which you'd come. Ahead, a gleaming curve of white acrylic wall that glowed gently from within. Somebody had fun designing the new and improved archives. As Deddy approached, the outer skin split and separated to reveal a great iris aperture. Because, really, who even uses doors these days? (laughs) It even made the proper whoosh sound when it dilated to let you in. Deddy sensed your amusement. It is a bit of fun, is it not? We partnered with Tozan College on the design. For reasons of security, however, it was necessary that we engage in a bit of subterfuge. Our request for proposal specified design for a climate-controlled seed vault of modular construction for installation in the Antarctic. He led you through the iris and into a sort of vestibule. A heated vestibule, thankfully. You hadn't realized just how chilly your fingers and ears had got. The officer's records have never been so well preserved. I fear, however, the facility is not precisely designed for living. We have had to make do. So you saw... Thankfully, the brilliant Tozan College architects and engineers who poured their hearts into that sleek, austere design will never see how Teddy and Igor have cluttered it up with folding chairs, card tables, and electric kettles. Your guide pulled a big, stitchy purple coat from a rather splendid old brass coat-tree and ensconced himself inside it. Now then, Mr. Ward, Which are the files you would like to see? Records dating prior to 1850 can only be examined within the storage environment, which is maintained at a constant temperature of 5 to 7 degrees centigrade for reasons of preservation. Anything more recent, however, I shall be happy to bring out here for you to examine in relative comfort. Oh, right. "'you said. "'Not sure what the fuss was about. "'You wouldn't have guessed it was much warmer than that "'in the cavern from which you'd come. "'Still, he knew best. "'Thanks so much. "'No, no ancient history today. "'As a matter of fact—' "'Ah!' "'Deddy cut you off. "'He looked suddenly grave. "'Please do forgive me.' It occurs to me that I ought to have raised the matter before. Ah, it is not permitted that any altercation of any standing view their own invitation file. He bobbed apologetically. Even I myself am not exempted. My own file is stored in a secured folio to which only my lictor holds the key. I am sure you understand. It is necessary to preserve the confidentiality of the officer's agents, and for other excellent reasons. I do hope this does not come as too great a disappointment. Well, it did, actually. You hadn't even thought of pulling your own file, but being told you weren't allowed made you agonizingly curious. However, You put on a brave face and gave him the names that you had found on the door in Triple E. Ah, the young Miss You, And Mr. Keller, of course. Both recent invitations. I remember them well. With that he popped an inner iris from which wafted a chilly fog. He stepped through into a sort of airlock. I won't be a moment. He was as good as his word. You'd barely got started in pitying your poor left hand, which had been chilled into submission and was now waking up, when the aperture popped once more, and there was Deddy with two files under his arm. These he handed to you with a little bow. I shall leave you these to review in peace, he said, extracting himself from the coat he'd only just put on. This little visit to the Inventorium has sparked within me an urgent desire to begin tidying up for bonfire. I will be just outside on the lift. Ah, again he bobbed. I am sure you understand that these files may not leave the archives. I would ask you also, please, not to create photographic images of any invitation-related documents. You promised you wouldn't, resentfully, as you'd absolutely been intending to. Oh, it is foolishness, perhaps. I cheerfully acknowledge our official guilt in the way of excessive caution. However, the old fellow twinkled at you. If we are to perform wonders, we must maintain the mystery of our movements. Take all the time you need. And with that, he passed out by the way you'd entered. You plopped the files down atop a layer of last year's daily bystanders with half-finished crossword puzzles, then pulled up a chair and went to work. And, oh, what revelations lay in store between those cream-colored covers! "'Your investigation proceeds apace, self-sleuth. "'This morning all you knew about S.U. and G. Keller "'was that they'd got their names on the door of an office "'that the late Samantha Braden had, at some point, "'occupied for her own obscure ends. "'Now you know a great deal more.' "'Don't understand much of it. Uh, Not yet.' but a vague sort of idea is beginning to take shape within your mind. Hmm. Needs more investigation, to be sure, but now you know where to look. First, however, you'd best jot down the details of your discovery before they get hazy and mixed up. Hmm. First, S.U. Yes. Miss. S. E. U. The photograph sellotaped to the front of the file is a newspaper clipping, and shows a lass with a teenager's complexion and a fifty-year-old's frown lines. It's not what you could call a good photo, and Miss U seems to have appeared in it only under protest. The tips of her ears poke through half-brushed hair. The front of her school blazer shows more stains than it does houndstooth, and the knot of her stripy necktie has the hard, discoloured look of having been tied once in its life, and then slip-knotted on and off ever since. A blue plaster on her lower lip suggests either forbidden body modification, or an especially unkind moment of puberty. You herself is palpably uncomfortable and looks annoyed at having to stand about holding a bronze plaque engraved with the erroneous but iconic Bohr model of the atom. Hmm. Or perhaps she's just cross at the caption. A cruel reminder that her parents saw fit to give her the name Spectacular. Yes, Spectacular E. U. The E stands for excellence. <laughs> Poor kid. The file on spectacular Excellence U is brief. News clippings, abstracts from a few research papers, and the concise dossier of a reluctant overachiever... Born to a Hong Kong Chinese father and an American mother, she was brought up in Vancouver, Canada, where she appears to have been a singularly unhappy child. The name with which her parents saddled her seems indicative of her family life. Nice enough on paper, but one which appears to have clashed horribly with the child's personality. Uh, The report doesn't come right out and say it, But evidently spectacular you was cursed with a mind like Aristotle's, the temperament of a petty thug, and, above all, the work ethic of a steam-drill. The poor child grew up in these shackles of unconditional support, crushed by the weight of parental expectations which she lacked the ability to disappoint. She appears to have spent the first dozen years of her life punching in vain at the promise that she could do anything she set her mind to. Difficult to say how much of her academic success was the result of native intelligence, and how much the product of her bashing her head against her weaknesses until they broke. The report notes in particular an incident from the eleventh year of SU's life, A minor physical altercation with a schoolmate had resulted in a trip and fall, a lost tooth, and a cracked zygomatic arch. Her school granted her a week's medical absence, which she proudly referred to as her expulsion. She said she wasn't going to go to school anymore, but would instead learn to play bass like Sid Vicious. The crisis came four days into her newfound calling. Hearing an anguished shriek and a jangly thunk, her father found little spectacular with tears streaming down her bandaged face. She was sitting slumped against her bed beside her shiny new fender precision, while bodies hammered away in the background. I can't do it, she is reported to have sobbed. I just can't not try like that. Hmm. To you, this all sounds a bit like myth-making. The main facts, however, are well documented. Spectacular you did go back to school, and whether or not she was in fact driven to the field of theoretical physics in search of a challenge capable of defeating her, she certainly impressed. At thirteen she was auditing graduate seminars at the University of British Columbia, and by fifteen she had built a stormy but productive relationship with the Pacific Institute. That was four years ago, and the year the Office of Invitation first took notice of her. Yes, worth noting that, despite some initial interest, none of the colleges bit on spectacular you that first time around. The next year, however, her file appears to have been called up from the vaults for reconsideration. And, judging by the crimson Gambrel College crest stamped across the front, Dr. Tran must have seen promise in the surly little mite. So, that's you for you. A wunderkind physicist, and possibly a bit of an arsehole. All right, then. On to Keller. Yes. Use file is perhaps twenty pages in total. That of Gabriel Keller is a different animal entirely. You nearly lost an eye when, having removed one groaning binder clip, the other two gave up and went pinging off into the distance. And imagine your surprise and delight when you realized that the picture grinning up at you from the cover of that three-inch-thick bundle of papers was none other than your old friend and vassal, Beardy Bloke. Again, perhaps not the picture he'd have chosen. It appears to have been snapped at a period when his sandy facial fungus was going through an awkward phase. There was no mistaking him, however. Both he and his beard have filled in since, but Gabriel Keller is beyond question the same chap who rescued you from the lizard people on your first morning back in Aldergate. You couldn't have been more pleased to see him. And fancy your delight at noting that the college that won the right to stamp its name across his scraggly map two years ago was dear old Eldon House. "'That must have been something of a coup for poor Sir Abdul. "'Judging by the sheer volume of material in the file, "'and its smudged and dog-eared condition, "'Mr. Gabriel Keller must have been a much-considered candidate.' "'Through you for a bit of a loop, actually. "'Deddy had been awfully nice about it, "'but you didn't want to keep the old fellow hanging about for too long.' and it would have taken days and days for you to peruse the Keller file properly. Consequently, you wrong-footed yourself entirely, and wound up having to go back to the beginning and start over. Even now, you're not sure you've quite got the picture. It's... Well, it's like this. Who is Gabriel Keller? That's the question. Trouble is, you didn't quite realize that going in. "'You thought you'd get away with asking, "'What is Keller? "'What's this special thing about him "'that had his file going round and round the inventorium? "'Is he a science whiz like Miss You? "'Perhaps a challenging young artist, "'sculpting strange wonders out of bamboo and human hair?' You just assumed he'd turn out to be one of Aldergate's classic magnificent monomaniacs, a first-rate fanatic about deep-sea colonization, or insect politics, or zero-gravity pole dancing. Or... whatever. You just needed to know what he was so you'd know why Sammy needed him. That did not work at all. For several confusing minutes you thought that Keller was an actor, or at least that that's the thing you'd want him for if you wanted him for something. The first half inch or so of his file was all stage door scuttlebutt, rave reviews of G. Keller, Man of a Thousand Ginger Tufted Faces. Theatrical work only, you noticed. Beardy Bloke doesn't appear to have hungered for the silver screen nor for the bright lights of Broadway, for that matter. All his shining notices are for local productions, amateur productions, even, all in and around his hometown of Philadelphia, PA. Seems he was content to be a big fish in a small pond. Too big a fish, even. Yes. You know, it's funny. Now that you think back on it, Not all of Keller's notices were exactly positive in tone. It's all very well to call his Macbeth terrifying and heartbreaking by turns, but that reviewer seemed to have been genuinely put off by the performance, and Keller's Stanley Kowalski appears to have been so upsetting to his fellow cast members that the show ended its run two weeks earlier. Piecing together an overall narrative from the agent's handwritten notes, you learn that some of Keller's other shows never even made it to opening night, or, worse, closed at the first intermission. Engaging is a word frequently used to describe Keller's performances. He draws his audience in, makes them feel what his character is feeling, which depending on what that is, has caused profound discomfort, hysterical breakdowns, and at least one violent outburst. All well and good, no doubt, but it left you rather at a loss. You were already struggling with the question of how exactly a theoretical physicist might have played into Sammy's plans, but what use she could have for an actor defeated you entirely. It was with perplexity and frustration that you leafed through the photocopied playbills and columns of cultural criticism until the words started to lose all meaning. Yes. And then you went away. Can't have been for more than a minute or two, but of course you couldn't know that. It felt like you'd been sitting there for ages. "'and, in your absence, other ward had flipped through nearly three-quarters of the Keller file. "'Your sense of guilt at the possibility that you might have kept poor Deddy loitering about for hours on end sent you into overdrive. "'You tore into the remaining dossier at the speed of perfect uselessness, "'turning pages before your brain had a chance to process their contents, "'with the result that you had to turn them right back again.' And then you still didn't understand what you were looking at. After a protracted goggle, however, you realized what it meant. And, all of a sudden, Gabriel Keller became an enormously interesting human being. The pages before you were photographs of handwriting. Neat, precise block handwriting... Not a theatrical notice, nor an academic paper, nor a debut novel. Well, you assume not, at least. But it might have been any of those things. You can't know for certain. You don't speak the language. People generally don't. And for good reason. There is no excuse you can think of why Gabriel Keller, or anyone else born after the year 1970, should have taken the trouble to become a machine linguist. And perhaps, him having already done the inexplicable, there's not much point in wondering why the twist he took the time and ink to write out fifty pages of hexadecimal code longhand. But he did— and the O of I's covert agent got hold of the moon-mad manuscript and dutifully photographed the lot. What sort of chap decides that, really, assembly language just feels a bit overcooked? <laughs> Apparently the same sort of chap who writes his own operating system. Foresight OS, according to the design brief, also written out longhand. That's numeral four, C-I-T-E-O-S. Keller's own original operating system, featuring a homebrew file structure and fractalized predictive multitasking. Which does not mean anything. At least, not as far as you're concerned. (sighs) But it meant something to somebody. "'If foresight be madness, yet there's some sort of method in it, "'or Sir Abdul wouldn't have spent a precious invitation to make Keller an Eldonian.' "'Yes.' "'Anyhow, now you have your answers, eh, self boy?' "'There is a great many new questions, but that was inevitable.' and the blinding fog that conceals Sammy's grand design has lightened considerably. So she was trying to summon a daemon in some shape or form. And she got a quantum mechanic and a fanatically fundamentalistic code monkey to help her do it. Suggestive, wouldn't you say? Yes. Yes, you would. Your return to the surface is but a distant blur. Your mind was buzzing with implications. You nearly forgot to thank old Deddy, and made only a perfunctory fool of yourself with Igor on your way out through the Ovi. Hmm. And now, here you are. Here you cannot stay, however. Your belly is full, your blood is caffeinated, and the trail lies before you. You know who your two persons of interest are now, to some degree at any rate, and you at least know enough to find their university email addresses. So... Best keep it pretty light at the start. Don't want to tip them off that you're interested in Sammy. No, just the jolly old new Vice-Chancellor wanting a quick chin wag with a worthy scholar about the exciting work they've no doubt been doing. It seems about the right speed. And copy, and paste, and send, and send. And you know, Come to think of it, there's no need for you to wait for them to write you back. In fact, if they're anything like you, which seems pretty probable, they may not even know that they have a university email account. You've no time to waste, and no reason to waste it. May as well force the matter. Get out there and track them down in person. And you can start with Keller. House is just next door to the manse. Since it's only his second year at Aldergate, he should still be in residence. Jolly good. <laughs> Keller would be your top priority in any case. Firstly, because you already know the chap. Sort of. And also because he's the one whose name turned up on your paper towels. You've still no idea what to make of those letters, if there is anything to be made of them at all. You know, the Holmeses and Parrows of this world generally only had to deal with one mystery at a time. You should be so lucky, eh, self? You should be so lucky. Well, then, the trip to the archives was a success. Now comes the tricky part. Keller and you must have had some sort of connection to Sammy, but just how much do they know, and how much will they be willing to tell? We shall just have to see, shan't we? join me every second Sunday for a fresh episode of The Aldergate Papers. Better yet, why not help me make them? While I am hopefully merely a temporarily embarrassed billionaire, my embarrassment is, at present, acute, and I should like, therefore, to thank Aldergate's new regent's emeritus. The distinguished Mr. Chris Halliday and the estimable Miss Irene Adler have pledged their regent dear support via Patreon, and thereby earned not only access to convenient long-play multi-episodes, but also my undying gratitude. Follow the Patreon link in the show notes to join their excellent company, and to reap your just rewards. I look forward to thanking you, personally and by name, for your support. For now, I must content myself with thanking you generally, but no less sincerely, for joining me on this journey. Memory Lane may prove a road to recovery or to ruin, but your good company makes for easy walking. Well then. That's all for now. Do please find The Altergate Papers on Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and review. And spread the word, won't you? Point your friends to thealtergatepapers.com Until next time, I am and shall remain your humble servant, Adrian Ward. Thank you for listening to Tuesday Terror right here on the Mutual Audio Network. Please consider subscribing to other days of the Mutual feeds, including Monday Matinee for classic live and theatrical audio plays, Wednesday Wonders, our science fiction and fantasy magazine, Thursday Thrillers for action, adventure, mystery, and crime drama, Friday Follies, our end-of-the-week comedy series, the Saturday Story Circle for kids and family alike, and Sunday Showcase, bringing you the very newest in audio releases for the week from our United Artists of Audio right here on the Mutual Audio Network. The Mutual Audio Network, listening and imagining together.